Well, let's go with the message today. This is a series called Answers to Why. Say that with me. Answers to Why. I mean, we just take it for granted. You know, the Bible. You preach the Bible. Why do you believe the Bible? Well, a lot of churches don't preach the Bible. A lot of churches don't believe the Bible. They'll spend the whole time telling you what the Bible says, but it doesn't really mean that. I don't know if you know that. That's going on all around us. Not here. You hear me? Doesn't make us better than somebody else, but why the Bible? Why do we believe the Bible? Why read the Bible? Why do we care? Why do we have a class called Depth Finders where we give you a Bible? Eighteen people started out this past Monday night, and I bet you that he might let one more. I don't know. I don't know. You never know. But anyway, the point is, though, why the Bible? Why do we do that? Why do we care? Let's look at it. Here we go. Push me, buddy. Some scripture. Going to be a little all over the place today. I'll raise them up a prophet, Deuteronomy, from among their brethren like unto thee. I'll put my words into his mouth. God speaking, raising up a prophet. He shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Keep looking. But the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, God speaking here, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall what? Die. And if thou shalt say in thy heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? How can we know? God says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord... If the thing follows not, nor comes to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it, what? Presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Amen? Did you hear a little truth right there? And had just a couple of scriptures right up front. Let's talk about it. Let's unpackage here some more. Isaiah, why the Bible? 46 verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring, say it with me, the end from the, say that again with me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Great scriptures on the, on the Bible this morning. Amen? Why the Bible? Why do I have this book? Why do I read this book? How can this book change my life? What is this all about? First Thessalonians says, prove all things. A lot of voices out there today. A lot of books you can read. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. What do we call the Bible? Another word for the Bible is the good what? It's the good book. The good book. Amen. Or that's a good, the good word. Hold fast to that. One of my favorite scriptures on the Bible, Second Peter chapter 1, we also have a sure, a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a what? A light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So the Bible, that's a mouthful. You all right with me so far? What do you think I'm going to do, just set up here and read Scripture all day about the Bible? That wouldn't be a bad message. But let's talk about it. In all other major religious writings, you will not find. Now, I want you to get this down. You might say, well, what's he talking about? Well, if you ain't going to hear nothing else, you hear what I'm saying right now. In all other major religious writings, every one of them, you will not find predictive prophecy, period. You're not going to find predictive prophecy, period, in other writings. And if you do, when they do take an attempt at it, it's the kookiest, off-the-wall mess you've ever heard of. Stupid. Okay? Why not and why? And you know I'm always trying to pick fights. In the Koran, the writings of Mohammed, not the writings of God, not the writings of Jesus. Get that straight, guys. You could get you a book and write it and call it something if you want to, okay? But we ain't reading it. Okay? In the Quran, writings of Muhammad, he says he will return to Mecca. Okay? That's his prophecy. He'll return to Mecca. Well, great. I'm going to go to Rockingham later this month. Excuse me. That's not prophetic. Come on. In the Quran, he says he'll return to Mecca. Not an after death thing, just I'll be, a, be back again thing. That's prophecy. Y'all listening or not? Okay? Keep looking. Quite a bit different from Jesus. By the way, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to scourge me, spit on me. They're going to kill me. Oh, and I'm going to rise again the what day? Now that's a prophecy. Y'all listening to me, yes or no? Or a virgin will conceive and have a child. Whoa! Now that's a prophecy. Y'all listening or not? Amen. No other writings have a predictive element, period. Because phonies can write things. Listen, phonies can write things and say things. But only God can tell the end from the beginning. Only He can do that. And He says that's the way you'll know a false prophet. That's the way you'll know a false prophet if they cannot tell you the end from the beginning. And our Bible has at least 2,000, say 2,000, prophecies. And almost all of them have been fulfilled. That is crazy. And so many of them were fulfilled in Jesus Christ himself. That's a big deal. Why the Bible? Why? I'd say that's a pretty big deal, wouldn't you say? Don't you want a God who knows everything? Say, come on, man. Well, you do have a God who knows everything. You need to have absolute confidence in God. But that's why we don't have confidence in God, because I don't have confidence in the Bible. Ah, it's just written by a bunch of men. Whatever. I don't understand it. Well, what you're saying, you don't maybe know you're saying this. You don't have a lot of confidence in God either. And you don't have a whole lot of faith. Without faith, it's, it's impossible to please Him. But God's given you ample ammo to have faith. I'd say 2,000 prophecies. Listen, all you've got to do is make one today in this world. You say one thing today, and this world will make you a, a TV star. 
you'll have your own show reading palms or something if you can just get one right. Y'all hear me, yes or no? So let's keep moving. Why the Bible? Number one. Now, this first one's going to go a little slower. And then we're going to pick up a lot of speed. Just in case you're like, oh, we're going to be at 3 o'clock. No, you're not. Hang in here. Number one, why the Bible? Because it is evidently consistent and undeniably factual. I want you to say that with me. Because it is evidently consistent and undeniably Now, I need everybody to help me one more time. Because it's evidently consistent and undeniably. That's number one. Now, let's let's definitely unwrap this sucker. Predictions. Predictions. I'm staying with this same hobby horse for a little while. That it is the only writing with a predictive element in it. The only sacred religious writing. So we're going to ride this a while. Something happened in the 1800s. Now, they had been doing a little bit down through time, but not a lot. It's called archaeology. Jesus actually said that if, if men don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. In the 1800s, the rocks started crying out because the science of archaeology. Okay? Because archaeology can prove things. A lot of what the Bible says stood down through the years as a matter of just faith which is fine. But archaeologists came along and proved it. So much of it, what you see in that book. This is incredible. Jesus answered, this was after Palm Sunday, and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, and a ruckus was being made, and they tried to get the people to be quiet. And Jesus said, I tell you that if these hold their peace, the stones are going to cry out because I'm God. And that prophecy, that might not look like a prophecy he was saying, but that prophecy started being fulfilled in the 1800s. The rocks started crying out. I've been to the Holy Land many, many, many times, like a dozen times. It doesn't make me no expert by any means. But it's amazing when you read something and you go see it with your own eyeballs. That is insane. Amen? Come on. So let's, let's do a little study here. The Bible is concise and concrete. Say that with me. The Bible is concise and concrete. If the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what you need to do? Believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. Believe that to have everlasting life. The Bible is concise. It is factual. Quit trying. But if I'm a good person, it doesn't say that in the Bible. You need to state, know that the Bible is concise and concrete when it comes to predictions and prophecy, but it's also concise and concrete when it comes to you being saved. Amen. When it says, husbands, love your wife, guess what you're supposed to do? Yes or no? Come on. Yeah. See what I'm saying? It's concise. It's concrete. Let's do a little history time with Uncle Gary here. Tire. Okay? You might go, I'm wore out already. They're wearing me out. Tire. Okay, let's look at it. Let's look at a prophecy. And they shall destroy the walls of Tyre. Tyre was a huge metropolis. Tyre had incredible towers. 
Ezekiel 100 years before, when Tyre was just a metropolis, said, through the Lord, they shall destroy the walls of Tyre. They shall break down her towers. I will scrape her dust from her. That's a pretty specific prophecy, isn't it? I will make her like the top of a what? Flat. What? I mean, God, he goes out on a limb when he makes a prophecy. It shall be a place for the spreading of the nets of fishermen. For I have spoken, it says the Lord, and it shall become a spoil to the nations. That is some humdinger of a prophecy right there. You talk about a metropolis with all these big towers, going to become flat like a rock, and fishermen are going to dry their nets out there on it. Absolutely. Okay, where are we at? Back it up to that other one. I ain't done on that one yet. Well, let me tell you what happened. Nebuchadnezzar fought, if I have my facts right, Nebuchadnezzar fought to destroy this city. I think for 13 years, if I have this right. And he destroyed it. But he didn't completely wipe out all the remnants. And they went a mile from Tyre out onto an island. Y'all with me so far? Y'all listening? Went to an island out about a mile off, and those remnants lived, and they rebuilt. And so here's that Tyre, nobody there, but it's there. I mean, it's been knocked down a good bit of it, but it's still there. Have I got this story right? I think I do. hope I do. Anyway, long story short is uh, about, I want to say about 250 years after that, a man named Alexander the Great came along. And he was fighting the Persians. And he was having all seaports destroyed. And basically, that's what that now, 200-something years, you can build up a pretty good metropolis again. And that's what had happened out there on that island. They'd become pretty, pretty big again. But because of their fortification and their location, they would not surrender. And his chief engineer, standing on old Tyre, the ruins of old Tyre, he said, I've got a plan. We can defeat them. Alexander Great said, how are you going to defeat them? He said, we're going to build a causeway out there to them. Well, where are you going to get the stuff? It's right here, chief. He took all the buildings, all the rubble, all the towers and started pouring it into that sea and building a causeway, a roadway to that island. Can you imagine how scared they were when they see that, that road coming? And they even scraped the city and the dirt and the dust And modern historians have gone there, and it's a wonder to see the fishermen on what used to be Tyre drying their nets. Is that a great prophecy? Is that crazy? That's the Bible. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, we could go all day on this kind of stuff, guys. Let's throw another one up. How many knows what that is? What's that, what's that building called? It's called the blank building. It's called the treasury building. And what's that city? Petra. 
Petra. Now, a lot of y'all might not know that. I've been there many times. I've been inside that room many times. What is Petra? Just briefly, Petra is a place where the earth opened up. It was a huge earthquake happened. And it didn't do a straight line. It does like this. It's called the Seek. How many knew that? The earth opened up. It's a six by eight foot passage. I've walked down it many times. Two horses hardly can't go. Dina, did you go? You went to Petra? Okay. So this is all, this is the truth. <laughs> so Dina went with us on one of the trips. But anyway, you can't take two horses side by side down there. That's how narrow it is. Where is Petra or Edom? It was thought for many, many centuries that the Bible was not saying the truth. There was no place called Edom. If there's Amman, Jordan, you go to, I've been flown into Amman many times. The last time I was there was like six months after 9-11. There was me and seven other people on the plane. That was scary, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, uh, but I believe it was an English scientist, discoverer, again in the late 1800s, that believed the Bible or either didn't believe the Bible, <laughs> was going to prove it or disprove it, and he found it. He found Edom. It's the greatest ghost town discovery ever known to man. And as you see that building right there, I mean, literally, look at that. that the, the detail on that building, you wouldn't know that that building is almost 3,000 years old. Incredible. It's in the Indiana Jones movies. I may have seen some of this stuff in the Indiana Jones movies. That's where it came. They went and filmed it there. But the point is, is that you have to walk. This, this place was overgrown. You couldn't find it because you had to go down through this crack in the earth to get to it. And that, that's why it stayed fortified. It's a fortified city. And God said it would be destroyed. And it was destroyed. And it's been uninhabited since about, I believe, I want to throw a number out there, but like maybe 600 uh, B.C. But it was a thriving city. Keep looking. Do I have a scripture on it? And say unto it, thus says the Lord, Behold, O Mount Seir. Mount Seir is in Edom. Okay? I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you. I will make you what? Desolate. Keep looking. I will lay thy cities waste. Thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Okay? So... I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy cities shall not return. And that's a very important prophecy. Thy cities shall not return. Well, that's crazy. You mean, you mean this is going to stand there like that and be totally desolate from like 600 B.C.? Who wouldn't want that? It's pretty nice down in there. But it stayed desolate just like God's Word says, and you shall know that I am the what? A lot of people don't know that God is God because they don't read His Word. That's how you start to know God is God. He knows the end from the beginning. He says things before they ever come to pass. Don't you want a God like that? That tells the truth? So, anyway, he's pushing me. Thank you. But let me say, what else about Edom? I just want to think anything else about Edom. Hmm. Well, anyway, that's enough. Not inhabited today. Destroyed. Here's one, Babylon. Now, we've heard of Babylon, haven't we? Say, come on. Okay, I'm getting a few more with you now. Okay, this is a little bit deep. But are you all alive all right or not? 
You feel like you're on the History Channel with some country bumpkin? Come on, who's that guy? Turn it. (laughs) Babylon. Let's throw some scriptures up so I don't get ahead of myself. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. The sea has come up upon Babylon. She's covered with a multitude of the waves thereof. Prophecies. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land, and a wilderness, a land wherein no man dwells. Neither doth any son of man pass thereby. These are huge, huge, huge prophecies. Why is such Babylon such a big one? They say that Babylon was 200. Uh-oh, he's got more scripture. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the broad walls, the broad walls of Babylon. Say broad walls. Of Babylon shall be utterly broken. Her high gates shall be burned with fire. And the people shall labor in vain. And the folk in the fire. That's a crazy verse right there. And the folk in the fire. And they shall be what? Weary. Can I talk now? I still can't talk. Man, we cut out some of these, but we're going to go with them. Then shalt thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place to cut it off, that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast, but it shall be desolate for what? Forever. Okay, I'm going to go on now if you don't mind. Thank you. Now, let me hang on. Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. Babylon. Hmm. Babylon, they say, was 200 miles square. How big a city is that? Tampa to Naples. Go across Alligator Alley, and you're going to have to even go further than Miami, but you can't. You really need to be out in the water somewhere. Then come on up to probably Daytona, and then take I-4 back this way. The walls were about a mile wide. They had their own water source. The river ran right into this, through the walls, underneath the walls, and right into the city. On top of the walls, they were, the walls were 200 feet high, many of them, 200 feet high. This is crazy. I mean, this is like the dumbest thing ever. You're not going to say that Babylon's going to be destroyed. There's no way you're going to pull that off, God. And Nebuchadnezzar, remember? Babylon, the glory of Babylon. Remember Belshazzar? The drunken feast in your Bible. Remember their handwriting on the wall? Many, many, tickle you far, some you've been found in the balance has been come up short and been found wanting. You're going to lose your city tonight. And Babylon was an unpenetrable city, but they used the river to get into that huge city and destroy that city. And God said it would be destroyed. 200 miles? Are you kidding me? Walls that high? God said it was going to be destroyed, but he made this prophecy. It's never going to be built again. Did you hear me? Are you kidding me? Never built again? Well, let's fast forward to modern history real quick. There was a man. He was rebuilding Babylon. He was in the process of rebuilding Babylon. He was having bricks made for it. Had his name on it and stuff. You remember his name? Saddam Hussein. 
What happened to Saddam Hussein? I mean, he didn't have weapons of mass destruction. That's what a lot of people say. He's not the one that knocked down the towers. Well, maybe it won't about that. That's quite a thought, isn't it? You have big enough pain in the rear end, and you're going to be taken out. And he was taken out. And last time I've checked, let me ask you this. Anybody doing any investing in buildings in Iraq lately? Babylon. Here's a man that was rebuilding it, and he's taken out. He's killed. I mean, who knows? I'm just telling you what the truth is. Y'all hear me, yes or no? Why the Bible? Keep looking. Whew, it's wearing me out. Jericho. And I won't do all the scriptures, Rod. You can just scoot through them just a little bit if you don't mind. Bottom line is, don't raise a weapon when you fight Jericho. March around the city one time on the seventh day or sixth day, whatever. Well, read it. Let's get it right. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Give me the scriptures. Where? And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into your hand Jericho, the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Keep looking. Let's get it right. Help me. And you shall compass the city and you, uh, with you men of war and go around the city once. Thus shall you do six days. Okay? Good. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of the ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet... And all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Okay? Now we'll keep moving after that. Okay, thanks, buddy. So the point is, archaeology, the rocks started crying out. For years they said Jericho didn't exist. Jericho isn't a real place. It didn't exist. The Bible's full of lies, fairy tales, just making stuff up. Then the rocks started crying out, and archaeologists were listening and studying and digging. And there's no place on the earth where more digging goes on than the Holy Land, I'm telling you. So they found Jericho. But they didn't just find Jericho. When a city is defeated, archaeologists study, and they can see when an outside force comes to a city wall, they knock the wall in. You don't like, let's take apart the wall so the people inside can kill you. No, you come at them. But the thing about that wall, archaeologists can't explain it. This wall fell out. And they say it has to be some kind of supernatural. They don't give credit to God. But something happened to call this wall to fall the opposite direction. And it's a whole city. Is that crazy, yes or no? Why the Bible? What else are you going to get? The Enquirer? Is that where we're going? Come on. Well, don't they make predictions? They don't do too well, do they? Come on. So anyway, I want to spend a little time with you on that. And we're going to walk down a little trail. Sir William Ramsey, he was an atheist. And he was a son of an atheist. He's a Ph.D. from Oxford. So this thing ran into family this atheism thing. He gave his whole life over to archaeology. He was determined that he would disprove the Bible. 
He especially wanted to disprove the book of Acts written by Luke. All those cities and that new church starting and the church taking off in the world. If he could disprove that, he can disprove the church. So he spent his life doing that. He set out for the Holy Land. He spent 25 years of his life digging, studying. But the rocks were talking. He was impressed. Here's a man, an atheist. He could not believe the accuracy of the book of Acts. All the places. When Luke was a doctor, a man given to detail. You think God knew the assault was coming? from the atheist and people didn't believe him and the doubters. He declared that Luke was exact down to the most minute details. I love it when somebody is, a, is an atheist and he comes and he turns around, baby. I love this. It's hard to refute this kind of stuff. Amen? He uncovered hundreds of things that cons- confirmed the historical accuracy of the Bible. He got so excited, he just kept digging and digging and finding more and more and more and more about the Bible. He shocked the critical world when he declared himself, say it with me, a what? Amen. Come on, praise the Lord. That's good stuff right there. Come on, man. Boom. Come on. Other archaeologists, several, more than 25,000 sites have been discovered that pertain to the Bible. The rocks cried out. Records of tens of thousands of individual events have been found that were, that were laid out in the Scripture. Just so you know, these are real people. Dr. William Albright, John Hopkins University, stated... There can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial history of the Old Testament tradition. Okay? Flat out. You don't believe the Bible, do you? Why the Bible? Where are you going to find a book like this, guys? And it just sits on the coffee table like ours did growing up in a hellhole home that I grew up in, in Rockingham, North Carolina, with Mama drunk and Daddy knowing where Dad's at. I don't know where he's at. There's the Bible. It's on the coffee table. The big Bible. How many had one of those growing up? The family Bible, except the family don't do nothing in it. Listen, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. But unless you open that Bible, you're not going to find the God of the Bible. Why the Bible? Dr. Millard Burroughs, Yale University, he said, in many cases, archaeology has refuted the views of the modern critics. Okay? Okay? In a number of instances, it's been shown that these views, people have these views, and they rest their views on false assumptions and unreal artificial schemes of historical development. Well, that's where, that's where all this big bang and everything is. Schemes, there's no proof whatsoever, but they believe it so much, or they believe there can't be a God, so these rocks cannot prove what the Bible says. They've got this false, warped, slanted view. And this is what this... Doctor is saying the excessive skepticism of many liberal theologians stem not from careful evaluation of the available data, but from an erroneous predisposition against the supernatural. You hear me today? God says, there's one thing you must do if you're going to have a relationship with me. You must believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. There is no way that I can have a relationship with you if out of the gate you're calling me a liar. Try that on your date. Say, will that work, yes or no? God says, I don't require that you die. I don't require that you do this. I don't require that you give all your money. I don't require that you crawl over coals or whatever, or glass. People do that, try to get to God. 
I require that you have faith, that you believe. But how shall you believe unless you have a preacher? And how shall you hear? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, God's word. Why the Bible? But many won't open it because they've got a, a view that is against faith. There can't be a God. And so they say, well, the Bible is just written by men. You getting that, yes or no? Hope I'm not losing you today. I'm about losing myself up here. Another one, Sir Frederick Kenyon, the British Museum. This thing's worldwide, by the way. Archaeology has confirmed the what? That should be enough right there. Archaeology has confirmed the Scripture. Boom. Okay? And to me, there's nothing better than archaeology, really. Something found to solidly defend something that was written. That's beautiful, isn't it? Not a man's opinion. Here it is. Here it is. Boom. Got it. Good. Nelson Glick, renowned Jewish archaeologist. And these people are the crazy, crazy good archaeologists right here. It may be stated categorically that no archaeological discoverer has ever controverted any biblical reference. Isn't that a crazy book that you hold? You mean there's nothing in this book, though man has tried for thousands of years, but nothing, nothing from archaeology? That's crazy, isn't it, say? You ever given somebody wrong direction somewhere? Put your hand up. You ever given somebody some wrong directions? Probably most of us. Oh, well, I meant to say, you know. Isn't it amazing that you hold a book in your hand that there's not like, well, I meant to say, you know. Isn't that nice that you can put your confidence in that? Say, guys, come on. The incredible, accurate historical memory of the Bible, particularly when we see that it is fortified by historical what? Fact. That's what you hold in your hand. So, and Rods, we're going to fly now because we're getting close to out of time. But I knew this would take a while. But it was worth our time. And you can study, and you might figure out, I might have messed up on tire a little bit. I would like to have you all check that out for me. The Bible is evidently consistent I'm not, I'm not messed up on the fact that it's flat as a rock. They're drying their nets on that, okay? Okay, not at all. The Bible is evidently consistent, undeniably factual. Why the Bible? Now I'm going to fly really quick. This is fast. Why the Bible? This is fast. Here's some other reasons that I've come up with. Number one, number two, it eliminates confusion. Do you want to believe that you came from a monkey or a Big Bang or something like that? I mean, you can believe that all day if you want to. Have at it. Be confused the rest of your life. Think it's okay to not, uh, not to be faithful to your wife or to your husband. You can do that all day if you want to. Doesn't line up with the Bible. You're going to have a confused, screwed up life. I'm going to tell you that right now. You listening? Yes or no? It eliminates a lot of confusion. For example, where did I come from? God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so God made man in his own image and his own likeness. That's where you came from. Wouldn't you like to know that question? That's what the Bible gives you. Answers. Keep looking. So where did I come from? Number two. Why am I like I am? Why do I have these passions? I want to do good, but part of me don't. What's up with that? I mean, I want to do the right thing, and at the same time, I'm tempted to do bad. Well, it's because all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Whereas by one man's sin into the world, and death passed upon all men, for all of what? That's why you are like you are. That's why you make some of the bad choices, and I make some of the bad choices. Yes or no? Say. Okay. 
what do I need to do about it? Okay, I'm a sinner and I want to do right, but I can't. How do I fix this? How can I have a relationship with God? Because, I mean, it's tough. Well, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. That's what the Bible says. For the heart man believes deep down, not just some head knowledge, but deep down really put your faith and trust in the Lord. And with your mouth, that confession is made to the Lord. Okay, from the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. Okay. Where am I going to go when I die? In this confusion. Am I, am I just going to go in a hole? What's happening? Do we just, there's no future for me? Well, the Bible gives you clear detail. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But you're going to have what? Everlasting life. Don't you love the Bible? Say, I'm glad it ends in confusion. No one taught me this stuff when I was a kid. I found out in the Bible. Jesus says, how about how do I get to heaven? Don't you want to know? Jesus said, I'll make it pretty simple for you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Go ahead. Stop with me. All other roads are dead ends. I'm the only way to get to God the Father. Isn't that nice that he put that in the scriptures? Let's go over another one. Why the Bible? These go pretty quick. Why the Bible? It establishes character. You read the Bible and believe the Bible and believe what the Bible says, and you will start establishing character. For me, it was six months after I became a Christian, going to church, reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, that I caught myself not saying GD and F this all the time. And I was actually one day just sort of shocked. I was like, wow, this is weird. But I caught myself saying, praise the Lord. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's crazy right there. Praise the Lord. How many can agree with me on that one? That many, yeah, come on. Some of us in the house. Come on. Don't make us better than nobody. That came through the Word and the cleansing of the Word, the washing of the Word over us. What's right and wrong? How do you know what right and wrong is if nobody told you? In our crazy world today, up is down and down is up. Is that true? Come on. Whole states that are trying to make good choices and do the right decision. My home state of North Carolina is being banned now by almost all major businesses in the country. Just because if somebody's feeling like they're a woman that day, they want to go to the woman's restroom. Well, here's the problem. When I was a kid in school, I'd be feeling like a, uh, I'd be feeling like a woman about every day that P.E. happened. I'd want to be going to the girls' locker room, okay? Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, y'all don't like that, do you? Come on, man. What are you feeling that day? Now, they say people won't do that. Are you kidding me? I know North Carolinians. <sighs> anyway, that's another story. Sorry. What is right and what's wrong? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to his what? Word. With my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let not me wonder from your commandments, Lord. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is what establishes character. How am I supposed to behave? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to be a good human being on this planet and do the right thing? Well, if you didn't have a mama or a daddy or somebody teaching you the right path, people are doing things today, killing each other, selling their body, doing this, selling whatever just to get by. To whatever, and they don't see a thing wrong with it. They'll take a gun and shoot somebody cold. What? What's up? Y'all with me or not? Don't we need the Bible? Come on. How am I supposed to behave? Well, the Big Ten's a good start. 
I'm not going to go over all of them, but number one. Here we go. Don't have any other gods before you. That's the sword point of heaven. Number two is a swan. What's that? Make no idols. Number three, two Vs. Don't take God's name in vain. Number four, piece of cheese on a stick. Swiss cheese. Keep the Sabbath holy. No, I'm sorry. Is that right? No. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cheese on a stick. Keep the Sabbath holy. Holy cheese. Swiss. Got it. If you want this video, it's out back. I did this. Number five, two pu- puppy dog begging for a judge. Honor your father and mother. Six, I didn't know any of this growing up. Are you kidding me? That took me pictures to understand it today. Number six, long monkey's tail, don't kill the monkey. Number seven, upside down putter, don't putter around. Don't commit adultery. Number eight, snowman, dad, snowman, snowman, damask, thou shalt not what? Still. Number nine, balloon on a stick, girl laid on a balloon, lied on a balloon, don't lie. Number ten, get rid of the ones, this, Michael Jordan's basketball. Thou shalt not covet all his stuff and all your neighbor's stuff or anybody else's stuff. Where do you learn that? The Bible. How many were taught the Ten Commandments when you went to school years ago? Can I see your hands? Look at that. Where are we going to be in another generation with people not knowing right and wrong? Why the Bible, guys? You know I'm doing this message for another reason today is that we have a good thing going here at Fellowship Church. You ought to invite people, invite your friends, invite your neighbors. We're not going to take advantage of them. What we're going to try to do is teach the Bible. We're going to love the snot out of them. How about that? Amen. Come on. Where are you going to get this? Say. Number four, it enlightens me with clarity. What do I mean? It helps me see straight. Sometimes life throws you some fog. And it's tough. And you need something to help you guide through this maze of mess in your, in your world. Yes or no? If it wasn't for the Word, how do I even see out of this mess? Your Word's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path, Lord. Thank you. Why the Bible? It encourages me with comfort. Because life gets hard. And there's nothing like the comfort of Scripture. And it amazes me as I, I'm, a, I'm into politics over my whole life. It's amazing to me how many presidents want to have a thing to do with God, but you let something bad happen in this country, and they'll start trying to quote the Bible. How many even notice that? Yes or no? Now, they might get it wrong, but they're going to try. Because when you're hurting and when you're devastated, whether it's Sandy Hook Elementary and children being shot or 9-11, what are you going to say to these people? There's nothing like the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Keep looking. I'm not alone. Say this psalm with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many? That's just a cleansing come over you. A balm of Gilead. Some just rubbed you with some good stuff. That's the Bible. Yes or no? Where are you going to find this? Why the Bible? 
Well, I think we've made a pretty good case today. There's hope. We don't look like there's no hope. Well, wait a minute, Gary. We know all things work together for good. That's what Mama told me. To them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose, Son, get your chin up. We can make it. Isn't that great? The Bible. Why the Bible? It enables me to have what? Confidence. Here I am, years, years later now, grew up as a hell-raising kid in Rockingham, North Carolina, and I'm standing on a stage defending the Word of God. And I'm not doing it mealy-mouthed or trying to apologize for it. I can do it with confidence that God has been good to me all of my life. When I started following Him, best decision I ever made. You hear me today? I know who I have believed in. That's what Elise says. She said, in whom I have believed in her song, because he knows my name. Nobody else might not know my name, but he knows my name when I'm overwhelmed with the pain. Amen. For the which cause also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm going to have confidence. That's what the Bible gives you. I have victory in Jesus. That's what I get from the Word. I have victory. You mean even when bad stuff happens, Clark, you can still have a victorious attitude? Absolutely. I tell God, I tell people all the time, God is good. People are, people are really bad sometimes. You know, people are mean sometimes. But God is good. Get your focus on Him. Get you one of these. Jesus strong. Amen? I can do all things through Christ. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Can you say that loud? I, I, can we say it again? I, I have, where did I find that? Bible. Uh-uh. Say that with me and we'll be done. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Can we just thank the Lord today for the Bible? Amen. Come on, church. Boom. That's our depart. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now read it. You hear me say, kick yourself in the stinking tail and read the Bible. Start just eating a little bit of it, memorizing a scripture and hiding it in your heart. Get that Ten Commandments video today. I think it's ten bucks or whatever. If you can't afford it, we'll give it to you today. Learn the Ten Commandments. Come back next week so excited. Say, I I know every one of them now. Amen? And start to see character start in your life. Amen? Let's go and get up on our feet. Thank you so much. Guys, you were a blessing today.